Issues with education for children and young people in out-of-home care, a Kinship Carers Victoria podcast. This podcast is part of an educational series to help kinship carers better understand and work with the various challenges they face. It was recorded and produced on Jara Country, the land of the Jarjawurung people, and we extend our ongoing respect to all Kulin Nation peoples, the traditional custodians of these lands, and pay respect to the elders, both past and present, and to the deep knowledge of the land that is embedded within the Indigenous communities. Every child has the right to an education which will enable them to reach their full potential. For children and young people living in out-of-home care, education plays a vital role in their development, providing opportunities for constructive interactions with other students and teachers. It can also be a source of much-needed stability and consistency, so schools should be a safe and supportive environment for all students, especially for children and young people in out-of-home care. However, they can face serious barriers both at home and at school, which can hinder engagement with learning. In this podcast, we speak with Victoria's Commissioner for Children and Young People, Liana Buchanan, about the Commission's Let Us Learn Inquiry Report, tabled in the Victorian Parliament in November last year. The inquiry is based on consultations with almost 200 children in care and over 350 stakeholders working within the education and care sectors. The report shows that the education engagement and outcomes for children and young people in out-of-home care trail significantly behind those of their peers. We first asked Liana to explain why the Commission decided to conduct the inquiry. Well, we did uh, another inquiry in 2019 looking at the experience of children and young people in care more broadly. And we spoke to over 200 children and young people either in care or with recent care experience for that inquiry. Back then, what we were hearing from children and young people is that their experiences of education weren't great, often weren't supported the way they needed to be. And that really mattered for children and young people. The fact that they kept bringing it up really told us that this was something, not only uh, that the research tells us all, is important in terms of determining outcomes uh, in life, but actually that children and young people know it and they know their education needs weren't being met. So that meant that we decided once we tabled that inquiry, that's an inquiry called In Our Own Words, we went on and did a few other pieces of work in between, but we knew we wanted to come back to this so that we could look in really close detail at children's experiences um, in early childhood education, Uh, and then in school, and um, that's exactly what we've been able to do for, for Let Us Learn. The findings in the Let Us Learn report are clear. There is a vast gap in the education experience of children and young people in care compared with those of the general student population. Was Liana surprised at the depth of the problems the Commission found? I was shocked, but unfortunately I did expect some pretty stark differences say that because we've done a number of pieces of work at the Commission looking really closely at the care system and uh, how well or otherwise it supports children and young people and indeed their carers. So we had a fair idea that what we would find wouldn't be good. That said, the scale of difference 
in outcomes for children and young people in care compared to their general student population is pretty stark. So there absolutely were some figures when we crunched the numbers that left me feeling just dismayed and if I'm completely honest, downright uh, angry. <laughs> so uh, was I surprised? I'm not completely surprised. We know we have a relatively good education system. In Victoria, we really like to pride ourselves on our education system. We're the education state uh, after all. So in that context, when you look at the findings of this inquiry, you look at the differences in the way children in care experience education and then the outcomes that they get as a result of the, their education. It's a pretty poor situation, I've got to say. We next asked Liana what findings in particular stood out for her and which statistics were the most shocking or surprising. When I think about the whole process of the inquiry, what really stood out for me was how much children and young people in care have already experienced a degree of trauma, a degree of disruption, and then often for, for many, for too many, more disruption and instability when they're in the care system for those very children who most need a really stable, supported experience of our education system, the fact that then we were hearing again and again from children and young people that that wasn't what they were getting, that was one of the most stark findings for me. Hearing children and young people describe, describing being bullied by their peers, being put down and stigmatized and feeling like they didn't have any friends because they were different, Hearing about that not being either understood or tackled by adults around them, by teachers and others. And almost even worse, hearing children and young people describe some of that um, stigma, uh, some of that negative um, perception being communicated by teachers and other adults uh, as well. So we heard from children and young people um, describing how they felt their teachers saw them differently because they were in the care system. There's one quote that really kind of rings in my mind about a child saying, there was one teacher, you know, she asked us all what we did on the weekend. I talked about um, the fact that I went to get ice cream and she said to the whole class, oh, that's what our taxpayers' money is used for. So just some horrible examples of uh, probably very kind of fleeting, ill-considered comments, but they all compound for these children and young people that they're different, uh, that they're not as good, that they're not valued. Anybody who's listening to this, any carer knows, that's the absolute opposite to what these kids need. So those were some of the findings that really hit home for me. Some of the other findings that really struck me were about the extent to which uh, we call them exclusionary practices uh, are used against children and young people in care. So we found when we looked at it that children and young people in the care or students in the care system are five times more likely to be suspended than other students and five times more likely to be expelled. That's certainly not just kids in secondary school. We found data that says that children in care, in PrEP, being suspended, they're 12 times more likely than their peers to be suspended. So we're talking about really young children. Anyone who knows the slightest thing about trauma and its impact on children and child, children's development and children's behaviour, 
everybody knows that that is going to manifest. It's going to play out in that child's behaviour. The fact that we have a school system that doesn't consistently understand that and doesn't respond with supports to help that child through that behaviour, through that process, um, oh, again, I find that pretty shocking. Probably one of the other... Um, areas of this report that I find really interesting. When we spoke to education stakeholders, education professionals, they kind of spoke about all of the aspects of the child protection and the care system that made education engagement difficult for children and young people. And then when we spoke to community service organisations and child protection uh, about the questions in the inquiry, they spoke to uh, how little schools understand and can respond to these children and their needs. So in a way, it was uh, for me a real sense that these are two systems a bit inclined to uh, uh, blame each other, uh, where in fact what's needed is that they need to come together and work together in a really coordinated way to wrap around uh, the, the, these children and young people and make sure that their needs are met. And some of our recommendations go to that. I've talked already about the statistics around uh, the extent to which uh, students in care are being expelled and suspended five times more than their peers. That's clearly shocking and frankly unacceptable. The other, uh, I think, most disturbing statistic that we uncovered when we crunched the data is that of Year 10 students in care, only 25% make it through to Year 12. So only a quarter of students in care making it to year 12. That compares to over 80% of the broader student population. So again, we know that getting through to year 12 isn't everything, but the research is very clear. The longer you stay engaged with education, the better prospects you have to do well beyond school and throughout your adult life. So the fact that we are not supporting students in care um, to get through to year 12 the extent to which there is a difference there, again, is incredibly disturbing. Some of the other data on education outcomes that we found for students in care is that when we look at chronic absence, so students being away for more than a tenth of the school year, 64%, almost two thirds of secondary students in care are chronically absent and uh, almost half of primary students in care. So those absence rates are really concerning. We also found students in care are far less likely to participate in NAPLAN, um, either because they're told that they're exempt or because they um, uh, don't participate for some other reason. And right across every domain of NAPLAN, uh, we saw that students in care uh, attain significantly lower NAPLAN scores than their peers. Again, we're not saying NAPLAN is everything, but it is the measure that is used of academic uh, achievement. So to see such consistency uh, in terms of lower, lower outcomes, lower scores for students in care, again, was really concerning. I'll quickly touch on some of the other data that we um, uncovered in this report. And again, it goes to how well the care system is working for the children and young people in it. And that's important because what we heard through this inquiry is that things like whether a child or a young person has a stable caseworker really matters in terms of whether they feel 
safe, whether they know that there's someone outside of their placement that they can contact, uh, someone they know they can speak to about what's going on at school. We looked at uh, measures like worker turnover in child protection, and we saw that in the last four years, worker turnover has actually got worse. So to the extent that children and young people tell us, we get different caseworkers all the time. I don't even know who my last caseworker was. There's no point in even getting to know them. That experience has got worse rather than better. The other thing that has got worse rather than better in the last four years is the proportion of children in care who don't have an allocated caseworker at all. So one of the statistics in our report is that one in five children in care doesn't actually have a caseworker if they're being case managed by child protection. The final piece of data that I'll talk to is just a trend really, but it really matters in terms of children's experience with school and education. It's about placement stability. If you're being moved from placement to placement, if you're being moved long distances, uh, it becomes much harder to stay engaged in school. We had um, children describe uh, traveling two hours on a bus or a train to and from school so they could try and stay at the same school, but not feeling like they'd been supported to do that. We had stories from carers similarly going to great lengths to try and support children to stay in the same school, but many, many other examples where children and young people had had to move schools again and again and again. When we looked at the placement stability data, placement stability for children in care has got worse in the last four years, not better. So there's a lot there that speaks to the need to significantly improve the care system. And that will benefit children and young people in a whole range of ways, but it's also incredibly important if we're gonna do better for them in terms of their school and early childhood education. The Commission's report presents an extensive list of 47 recommendations resulting from their findings. Liana explains which of them she considers to be the most urgent and why. One is that we've recommended that there needs to be a consistent understanding and ability to respond to trauma in all schools and early childhood education settings. We saw and heard of pockets of great practice but usually that was about the particular leadership in a school uh, or a childcare set setting um, where the school leadership uh, had a vision, had a view about a trauma-informed approach and had built up the capacity across the whole of the school. That expectation needs to be set across the whole of the system. It shouldn't be just about individual school leaders. That's important not only for children and young people in care, but we know that a huge proportion of children and young people in our community experience trauma. They live with domestic and family violence or other forms of harm. So actually that need for a whole of school trauma-informed approach would benefit a vast number of children and young people. So that's an important one for us. We've made other recommendations to really limit the use of suspensions and modified timetables. I haven't talked about modified timetables, but we heard a lot about schools using modified timetables, sometimes for really um, good reasons, but sometimes in a way that really limited the child's ability to go to school without a good plan to support that child to get back into full-time uh, attendance at school. So we made a recommendation to address that. Clearly we think 
that there are too many suspensions being applied to students in care. And we also think that there's evidence modified timetables are not being used appropriately. We've made recommendations around the care system to try and improve and settle some of the aspects that I've talked about. But we've also made a, a, a more urgent or pressing recommendation to try and support child protection practitioners in their day-to-day -day work to give greater priority to education. What we heard a lot was that in a very kind of pressured system, there's a focus on stability, there's a focus on safety, and education and a child's education needs often uh, fall down the list and they're a bit of an add-on if uh, considered in care team meetings at all. So we're hoping that the Department of Families, Fairness and Housing can um, run out a whole program of work to really uh, escalate the priority that's given to education in child protection practice. We made uh, a recommendation about um, support for carers. Again, we had a lot from carers and from children and young people that often there just aren't the resources where the child's been cared for to support the child to get what they need to do to go to school, whether it's uniforms, whether it's laptops, whether it's books, whether it's the money for the camps and the extracurricular activities. We had a lot about that. We looked at the amount that's available for an education allowance. We also looked at the fact that Victoria has not raised its carer allowance since 2016 and now has one of the lowest levels of carer payment in the country. So we've made a recommendation to the Victorian government that it should look at the level of care allowance and increase that um, payment. Uh, that's one of our other key recommendations. Liana and the Commission for Children and Young People understand that some carers may feel vindicated by what is laid bare in this inquiry, while others may be shocked or even appalled by their findings. She has a parting message for carers listening to this podcast and for those who may have read the Commission's report. I feel ill-equipped to advise uh, carers, but I'll give a message. First of all, we know every single child has the right to an education. What we found in this inquiry is that that right is not being delivered for too many of our children and young people in care. Carers know that. You're living it, you experience it, you see it. We've made a whole number of recommendations in this inquiry that we hope will see some action. And for our part, we'll keep advocating. My message to carers is what we heard from all the children and young people we spoke to, and so many carers and so many other professionals who work with carers and children. We know that carers are so important. The advocacy that carers provide to fight for the children in their care, including for their right to an education, that is often what makes the difference. I know as commissioner that carers are often um, having to fight really hard, harder than they should, just to get children's basic needs and education needs met. At the Commission, we're going to keep advocating to try and um, ease some of those system pressures to improve the, the supports. Uh, but in the meantime, all I can say is um, keep advocating, keep fighting. Uh, uh, what you are doing makes the world of difference for the children and the young people who are in your care.
Look for links on the Kinship Carers Victoria website to view or download the full Let Us Learn report, as well as a summary of the findings and recommendations. The next podcast in this series will explore ways carers can develop their communication and negotiating skills when dealing with conflict and other challenges. This podcast was made possible by the generous support from the Department of Families, Fairness and Housing and the Carer Cafe.